You're listening to the Movie Bong podcast. If you like talking about movies, why not join our Facebook group? Simply search Movie Bong Collective on Facebook today. You fucking dick. Hello and uh, welcome back to Movie Bong. Uh, this is episode eighteen. Episode eighteen. Episode eighteen. It's a hot one. It is. Uh, it's, it's a literally a hot one. Uh, both me and Mike are genuinely recording this in our underwear. <laughs> yes, it's a sexy one <laughs> because of how hot it is. Uh, there's like a heat wave at the y- moment. Yeah, it's really hot. I'm sure you know, listening to this, because you're a human being. Um, it's hot for us right now. But, you know, like, like people don't tend to, like, listen to this, you know, as it goes out all no, the time. No, but I'm sure it's going to be hot. It's going to be hot for ages right now, right? It feels like the, the hotness is never-ending. Oh, totally. I, I just want to qualify why we're doing it. Um, because otherwise, people might just hear a podcast and think that we've gone mad. Yeah, and yeah, just yeah. decided to record this in our pants but we, we genuinely have to <laughs> no yeah we're in a small flat it's hot we've got the balcony open but it's oh it's sweltering uh anyway uh this week we've actually been away for a bit uh i got a bit ill yes lots happened you nearly died right <laughs> yeah kind of only a little bit though like not too much but kind of almost slightly i um... was away from the <laughs> flat i was house sitting at my parents house so i was just chilling there uh, you were aware of festival, and then you came back. Yeah, when I came back, uh, I couldn't like eat or drink anything, and then I called like one one one, which is like the you know it's like the not emergency number, but a bit of emergency number. Yeah, like like a what's going on number, yeah, like a tad emergency number. <laughs> like hey, what's up? <laughs> um, and they were like, you should probably go to A and E. And then on the way there, uh, there was all sorts of it. You know, it's a long story. I'm much better now. Uh, I, I basically. Uh, they just pumped me full of fluids mm. and uh, some other things. And uh, I eat fruit now and I feel much better. It's <laughs> really weird. Um, and uh, you watch lots of stuff in recovery. I have watched uh, a lot of shit. Uh, I've watched, um, I rewatched all of the Hunger Games. Right, yes. Because it felt quite fitting because I couldn't keep any food down. So mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Hunger Games was was the obvious choice. Uh, well, I watched two, I watched the second one recently. I'd watched the first one a while ago in the cinema, but I'd never seen any of the others. And I watched the second one recently. I I mean, I really like The Hunger Games, but on a second rewatch and a third rewatch, because I watched... Uh, you watched the second one with me again, because I wanted to watch it, because you were talking about them. Yeah, totally. And uh, I have to say, like, on repeat viewings, you realise it, it's quite surface. Like, yeah. there's not much to it. Fucking empty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, it's, like it's he, just a bit young adult for me. I don't know. It's a bit. It's okay. I do think they they sort of like grow up uh, in themes as it sort of goes on. It sort of becomes a bit more adult as the series goes on. But yeah, it's uh, 
it's it's not not quite how I remembered it. And I remembered <laughs> I remembered having like an amazing time in the cinema watching uh, particularly the first two. Um, well, I'm going to watch the last two, but um, yeah, I'm not holding my hopes up high. There's just a few like things in the first one that I didn't realize that I didn't really see properly on the first viewing, like. Uh, like Jennifer Lawrence, just like she, she gets, she has a lot of help yeah. everywhere she goes, and it, it, I don't know, like she Does, hasn't doesn't feel the tale of empowerment that you'd like it to be. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like she could have, she could have handled a few things by herself a little bit better. She, um, she's very reliant on other people and and luck throughout it. But yeah, I suppose you're gonna have to be if you're in a battle royale with some other psychotic children. Well, that was the thing. When I first heard about it, obviously I'm from the Battle Royale generation where mm. I saw that as a teenager and it blew my fucking mind. And so the idea of the idea of any film with a load of youngsters on an island trying to kill each other. Yeah. Um, but it's a very different film, obviously. This is the whole sort of young adult sci-fi saga. I think, um, I think it very much follows the, the Harry Potter model of filmmaking whereby they were sort of finding big books that they could sort of franchise out and make lots of money, essentially. So, it, I mean, they're not as bad as, like, Maze Runner. They're not as bad as yeah. Divergent. Yeah. Um, and I, Twilight. I, I really, really like Jennifer Lawrence as a lead. Um, she's great. She's good. Winter's Bone's fantastic. Totally. Yeah, um, yeah, You know. Joy, I think, is really great. I haven't seen that. Also, um, a mop. Lenny Kravitz in the first two movies is great. Are you going to go my way? <laughs> Uh, Is Stan- that him? Yeah, yeah. And Stanley Tucci and I think Elizabeth Banks also yeah. have amazing performances. Stanley Touch me. <laughs> no, sorry. Hashtag me too. So that's a great um, drag king name. It is, isn't it? Yeah. In fact, that's mine. That's your drag king name. Yeah. Cool. Just decided. Because you're like, your drag queen name is Scarlett Joe. S- Scarlett So Handsome. Scarlett So Handsome. So why can't I have the one I just said then that I forgot? <laughs> Stanley Touch me. Yeah, you can be Stanley Touch Me. It's just a picture of me and um, uh, Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> actually, no, I shouldn't actually talk about Stanley because wasn't there shit about him getting? Well, he he died. Yeah, but didn't he get like um, a bit like handsy? No, no, not him. But didn't he get like a bit uh, not abused, but by his like the people who were looking after him. I don't know, mate, but keep it light. Yeah, sorry. I just, I just <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, look into that. But um, yeah, R.I.P. Stan Lee. But um, another celebrity who um, is dead, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I wanted to put a little shout out there for uh, an R.I.P. for the R.H. Yeah. don't know why I said it like Blazing Squad, <laughs> but um, Rudger Hauer sadly passed away um, yesterday, the other day. Yeah, no, no, um, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it's awful, awful news and like a real loss to uh, the history of cinema. Yes, um, he's a fantastic actor. He's one of those actors who's had uh, several different stages in his career. Um, he obviously he was well known um, as like a sort of blonde leading Dutch actor for a while. He was in um, a Turkish Delight, I think the film was called, or a few little films, early Paul Verhoeven work. Um, and he was in a TV series where he played a knight in the late 60s, early 70s. Um, so he was already a little sort of uh, a homegrown, well-known star. Mm. Um, and then obviously he did stuff like what you know him for, Blade Runner. Yeah. Um, and then he hit big with that. 
Um, I, I don't know whether he's typecast a bit. Then he went. Um, there was there was a film with Sly Stallone. He was called Nighthawks or something. He's the villain in that. Um, but for me, the stage uh, where he sort of went into um, American B movie action cinema was was when I really engaged with him. Um, he's in a great film called Blind Fury, where he's a Vietnam vet and he's got all these samurai. Um, skills, <laughs> he fucking got like a blind stick and it turns into a sword, goes to Las Vegas, fights loads of villains. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, I watched the film the does other he, night. Does he have a dog? He, uh, he should have like a... He an gets ex- a dog. Like- well, he has a kid. <laughs> All right. He's a bit like a dog. <laughs> no, no, he's he's looking after the, the, the his mate's kid because there's gangsters after him. Um but, uh, no, does he have a dog? Well, he's travelling all the time, so I don't know. He ha- maybe he has a dog at one point. Like a, um, I think a guide dog, like a, like a guide slash attack dog. Well, it's set in, like, most of it's set in, like, Florida and stuff, and then it's in, like, Las Vegas. So there's a lot of right. alligators and shit. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, I watched a great film called Split Second, um, a really, like, grimy, dark, but strange sense of humour. Um s- kind of um serial killer demon occult movie yeah. um set in London in futuristic 2008 um with like big rats pollution it's really good um so there's loads of loads of great films there's a film where he chases iced tea in the woods for he's like a hobo oh he's yeah you're telling me about this this sounds really good he's got money strapped to him he runs off he's uh surviving the game it's called it's fantastic it's got the guy from scrubs in it john c mcginley it's got gary boosie in it it's it, we need to watch that and possibly put it in a b-movie action episode yeah that's a good it's idea just it's fantastic or a rappers in movies episode <laughs> rappers <laughs> acting hello cool j toys bang the one thing that I really remember Rook Howard from is obviously Blade Runner. Um, and he's, you know, one of the big sort of bits of trivia about him is that he came up with that iconic speech uh, on the roof with the, you know, um, like tears in rain. And uh, I've always found like his performance in that film is, I, I feel like it, it's it's a bit more classic than we give credit for. Obviously, it's like a sci-fi movie that's that's meant to be looking forward. But I see him as, you know, it's a postmodern Frankenstein. Sorry, Frankenstein's monster, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I totally appreciate that. And uh, he has died in the same year, 2019, that Mm. Blade Runner is set, which is quite strange. So he's died the same year that his character, Roy Batty, died. Um, But I've never been a huge fan of Blade Runner. I just found it a little bit boring. It's... It, so, it looks incredible. I know it like does. visually, and 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 that's why I say engage with um, Rudger Hauer's sort of um, B movie action stuff and Wedlock, Wanted Dead or Alive with Gene Simmons from Kiss. Uh, just lots of uh, his, his fun stuff that I really loved as a kid. I watched them on video. And my brother was a big fan. So mm. yeah, he's a big loss to cinema in all sorts of cinema. He was he was a hobo with a shotgun is uh, insane. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was a strange one to come back in his old age. You know, a lot of guys come back and do pictures when they're old men. But it was a real, like, gonzo gore fest, that film. Joe Pesci's coming back to do The Irishman. Well, I don't think it'll be any hobo with a shotgun. I mean, mean, that is fucking... I don't think we can underestimate Pesci at this point. No, never, (laughs) never. I've always said never underestimate um, Joe, Joe Pesci. (laughs) <laughs> I've always said that. Um, but uh, yeah, RIP um, Rutger Hauer. He was, um, uh, yeah, a giant. Much missed. Of cinema. 
moving on to uh, the main bit of the the episode. Uh, what we're doing this episode is a Universal Monsters special. Uh, we're looking back. We're going back in time, um, back to like the the thirties and forties when these original Universal monster movies were made. Ooh, when cinema was cinema, <laughs> and cinema like, was white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or black and white. Um, but yeah, white. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, because we haven't we haven't reviewed we haven't done many episodes where we've gone really back into. Uh, you know into old, the bowels of cinema yeah old <laughs> old old cinema like you know th- some of these films are around 100 years old like Whoa. nearly you know yeah um it's incredible so i'm a big fan of these movies um mm-hmm. i recently like i used to watch them as a kid but then i sort of fell out with them for a long time so i i rediscovered recently the universal monsters movies and they just are incredible um like just just all the characters um i wanted them them to be great i, I saw that because i've just known the characters so much and i want to go back and revisit them and, and they were just as good as i thought they'd be they were better i've been reluctant i think to to watch these films uh you know like i do like some old cinema i'm a big fan of like lady killers uh, a lot of like hitchcock but to go back to the 30s and 40s felt quite daunting to me uh, but I'm glad I did it, and I, I feel quite rewarded as a result. Uh, they are quite interesting movies, and it, it, it's fun to see uh, where some things came from or or even just how far we've come in filmmaking. And uh, I, I quite like it when when there are like effects in some of these movies that the filmmakers are clearly quite excited by. You know, like uh, there's some amazing effects in uh, Invisible Man and in, yes. in, in uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Right. Um, and, and it's just incredible to see like the sort of effects they were showing off. Like these days we're showing off 3d and 4d and back then they were showing like, Oh look, we can make a tiny man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can make this cup float across to the table. Um, but <laughs> I still think they look quite impressive. I don't know whether it's uh, we were watching them on Chris Blu-ray and I d- it just yeah. looked brilliant. It did and look I great. I think I've always been used to watching those kind of films in the daytime, mm-hmm. and we watched quite a lot of them in the daytime yep. in the sweltering heat. Um, which was, but it was quite fitting. And I, I'm used to watching these in the daytime, but on a small TV or on my old TV. I remember them as a kid, um, and so there's just a graininess. There's the there's um, a muffledness to the sound. There's just and to watching them on Blu-ray, there is something else. Particularly some of the later ones. Uh, creature in the 50s we'll go on to just yeah. I just think they look crisp and wonderful now what do we mean when we say universal monsters well uh universal obviously big fucking hollywood american studio yeah um known for their monster legacy mm-hmm, so the monster mm-hmm. legacy i guess they've got all these huge f- tons of films monster movies we are going to talk about the main Monsters, the main monster movies, the original sort of uh, rat pack of yes, uh, yes, of, of horror entities. The rat pack, yeah, totally, totally. Now there is a um, another character sort of hovering around uh, the oh, Phantom yeah. of the Opera. Now uh, he is a strange sort of character. We're not going to really talk about his films, although um, I think the earliest 1925 they did a Phantom of the Opera movie, right? Yeah. Um, 
with uh, Lon Chaney, the 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 uh, dad of the guy who would eventually be the Wolfman, who we'll talk about later on. Yeah. Um, but um, I think it was Lon Chaney, or he also did um, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. But he, I, I it was um, Phantom of the Opera. It's a great silent movie. Um, I would recommend you really check out my friends, um, a, a prog rock band called Psychedelic Prog Rock Band called The Lays, got the rights to do um, a soundtrack to this film, to the early Phantom of the Opera. I'll, wow. I will show it to you once I'm read. It's yeah, yeah. fantastic. Um, because my other friend um, worked in distribution for Little Known and he got the distribution to the old 20s Phantom of the Opera. They did a big screening in a, in a cinema. It was great. But that's a great little silent movie. Fantastic horror movie. Um, they did it later on with Claude Rains uh, mm-hmm. in Technicolor. Um, it's one of the longer movies because the great thing about these movies is they're like fucking an hour and ten minutes. But, um, <laughs> um, that was a longer one. It's not meant to be one. Of, it's not one of the better loved ones. We're keeping to the main bang on monsters, Dracula. Yeah, Frankenstein. Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster. Yeah, uh, well, the Wolfman. Mummy, uh, yeah, creature of the Black Lagoon, um, and the Invisible Man, yes, and Bride of Frankenstein. Yeah, but we'll yeah, come yeah. to that later. Um, so yeah, so 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 let's go back to the big hitters when it really started kicking off. Um, you've got 1931, Dracula, uh, obviously played by Bella Lugosi. Bella Lugosi, um, Dracula. They actually filmed two versions of this movie uh, in the same year. They filmed the Spanish oh, yeah. version. Bizarre, didn't have Bella Lugosi in. Um, but um, it was weird. And then they had, to, and then they made, um, they made Dracula, Bella Lugosi. It's a great film. I think still it stands up, but it's very different to the original Dracula. It's well, not very. It's slightly different to the original Dracula story. It's more based, I believe, on a play. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was adapted from the story. So there's a few differences in there. Um, like if you go and watch the uh, Gary Oldman one, you'll see the difference in the story. Yeah. Uh, but ever so slightly, and it's different. And, the, you know, obviously with the Nosferatu and everything. But it's a great... It's a great a- adaption of it, I think. And I think if like if you're sat at home and you haven't seen these movies or you think you don't know Bela Lugosi, you you do because yeah. his his likeness from him playing Dracula in these movies is everywhere. Like you could say, you know, the Muppet, uh, the the Dracula Muppet. Yeah. I mean that that is Bela Lugosi. Yes, and um, that was the image of Dracula that I always had in my mind. I, yes, I remember. Um, you see, my birthday is October the thirtieth, so I always, I've always been a horror kid because mm-hmm. my birthday was the night before Halloween, it's the day before Halloween, Devil's nice. Night, um, the night Eric Draven and the Crow was murdered. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but uh, yeah, I, I've always been a horror kid. I, I remember being really, I had a, I was given a watch as a little kid, like a vampire watch. And I was really scared of the one. <laughs> like it was like a proper <laughs> Bella Lugosi, um, because Bella Lugosi's got quite a chubby, fat face. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I mean, it must have been an age when he did that. He did that at thirty-one. I mean, he died in like fifty-six or mid-fifties or something. Um, not long after he did um, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which is a fantastic comedy horror universal monster film which i'll talk about later on but Dra- uh, what did you think about the actual dracula the the film i mean you've got renfield you've got loads of great characters in it 
I think it's fantastic. I think uh, what's really impressive about it is um, how much they fit into a short running time and, and how many um, familiar themes that you recognize from later adaptions of Dracula uh, are still in there. And, and, you know, like it feels so tight. Everything's sort of like stripped down. Um, you know, like I love the uh, his three sisters uh, dressed in white, I think, um, you know, like it, I think it's very impressive to, um, to to make them sort of like these ethereal creatures, uh, given the sort of like level of effects that they had back then. Um, and, and, you know, it, it also introduces the character of Renfeld, um, who we are a bit more familiar with uh, being played by Tom Waits in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's uh Dracula. Yes, with Keanu Reeves. Yeah, uh, I say, Parker. is the castle far? <laughs> I mean, his his accent just disappears halfway through that film. Uh, and we are thinking about doing a Keanu Reeves special. Maybe that's a, a route into our next episode. You could watch Dracula. Yeah, there could be a link. Um, we are we are thinking of doing an actor led episode and doing an episode devoted to Keanu Reeves. I think that would be a good idea. Uh, anyway, getting back to uh, Dracula, I, I think it's. Um, it's just a solid film. I think it's it, it's fantastic because of um, it. It's the origins of where so many other Dracula cinematic creations come from. Um, so, like, it's it's really interesting to see, you know, the source of all of this material, and it's solid because there's so many. There's Christopher Lee, uh, Hammer, your Hammer Dracula. You've got mm. your Blackula. You've got... Um, <laughs> Which I believe is coming back. Oh, well, I mean, they already did it quite well. Wes Craven did it quite well in Vampire in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, you know... Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is a good film, actually. It is a good film. And Wes um, Craven is surprisingly good at doing uh, black-led horror. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. what is it? Children Under the Stairs? Yes, yes, yes. Is, uh, he a, should work, cast, he should it? work with Peel um, <laughs> on something. It'd be amazing. <laughs> um, Jared Butler played Dracula once. Um, really? Scottish, Scottish Jared Butler, you know him. Um, and yeah, yeah, there's a, it's like Dracula 2000, Dracula 2001, Dracula 2000, something like that. I don't know what it's fucking called. I just remember Johnny Lee Miller's in it, and I just remember, Ooh. I just remember him walking through like a Virgin Mega store, floating through a Virgin Mega store, looking like a fucking long haired model. Oh, I fucking do <laughs> half remember this. <laughs> this is shite. So, I mean, Bella Lugosi has a lot to answer for. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, the lighting in this original film on his eyes the shadow and the light on his just on his eyes it's just incredible i quite like this because it i quite like this because it's uh, it's horror when uh, back when horror was still allowed to be camp yeah like it it didn't have to be uh bloody jump scares every 10 seconds it could just be a bit gay but it didn't <laughs> it didn't really know it was camp it didn't know it was gay it was theatrical yeah. um but there were you know it was film now and so um we'll lead on to the the in fact well we can lead well on to uh, the, to the theme of gayness to, to um to our next film i think which uh which would which would be Frankenstein. Oh, okay. Which was the same, essentially the same year as Dracula. Um, they're both 1931. Mm-hmm. It's just later on. Um, and I say uh, the word gay <laughs> um, because I'm talking about uh, the director James Whale. Yeah. Um, he was a British director. Uh, he's played by Ian McKellen in um, a film called 
I think it's called Of Gods and Monsters, oh, which okay. I really wanted to watch actually when we were doing this. But we'll we'll watch it anyway. Uh, maybe we'll do a gay cinema episode. I don't know. Well, we'll do a biopics um, episode yeah, definitely. And that, yeah, uh, it's about his relationship with uh, this American younger guy uh, played by Brendan Fraser. Um, and yeah, it's 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 meant to be really really good, and I've ne- I've never seen it. But um, James Whale directed these uh, this Frankenstein and Bride of, which we'll talk about in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a fantastic director, and he, he, he just sort of the story of Frankenstein. We know the story of Frankenstein, um, but it's just done. It, this is the iconic. This is Frankenstein. This is the the electric bolts. This is um, I think his name was Colin Clive, the guy that played. Uh, he's called Henry. Frankenstein in this, um, you know, it's the scene with him going, "It's alive! It's alive!" Yeah, um, yeah. This film, you know, it's gone on and inspired so much. It's featured in so much. Um, I love a Hugh Grant film called About a Boy, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is fantastic. Which we all know. Uh, there's a scene in that where he's smoking a spliff um, and he's watching Frankenstein, and he's sort of. Um, Connecting with the character of Frankenstein, I think we can connect with the character of Frankenstein, and totally, I totally yeah, do. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a sad story, and it's just told again, like Dracula, really succinctly, solid, and it's, it's fantastic. It's a timeless story, and obviously, I'm I'm a huge fan of Mary Shelley. There's a really good uh, biopic um, about Mary Shelley with um, Elle Fanning, uh, which I really really enjoyed. Uh, well, no, I really enjoyed. Yeah. Never, uh, <laughs> not, not two really, it. it's one really. <laughs> what did you? What do you think? Did you ever see Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the Kenneth Branagh, Robert De Niro, Helen Bonham Carter project? I don't think that I did. It was quite good. It's just a bit flashy and a bit like ah, when the nineties when they were trying to be like it was just a bit weird. But um, right, and seeing Robert De Niro as the monster is strange. <laughs> Obviously, again in Frankenstein, we've got another iconic lead performance from Boris Karloff. Boris Karloff, the best Boris. There's a lot of talk about Boris at the moment. There is a lot of Boris at the moment. But uh, this is a <laughs> this is a good Boris. Yeah, because obviously Boris Johnson is now the Prime Minister. That's happened very recently. The Let's... real horror story. <laughs> um, but everybody's favourite Boris, Boris Karloff, um, is here to save the day. You know, because I've got empathy for, for Boris Karloff. But Boris Karloff is fantastic in this. Uh, it's another fantastic lead performance. It feels like uh, he. this is a role that he always struggled to break away from. It was yeah. the role that everyone sort of knew him as. Well, he does play one of the other iconic creatures. He plays two of them. He does, but he's also, uh, you know, he, he was in line to play a few and, mm. uh, you know, uh, wasn't chosen. And right. I think uh, because, you know, he's too familiar as uh, Frankenstein to be because, seen as the Wolfman, etc. Yeah, because he just kills it. He's just brilliant. He's, he's very, incredible. very good. Um and yeah, it's a great film. I love the, I love mad scientist movies. I just love the um, and we I think we lost that a bit. It's um, I'd like to see more mad scientist movies again. I don't know, mm-hmm, They're just mm-hmm. fucking like Frank. It's great. I'd I highly recommend A Cure for Wellness, which is a batshit film, uh, and is all about uh, Jason Isaacs as a mad scientist. Great uh, with uh, is it Dane Dean De- Dean DeHaan? Right, Dane DeHaan. Right, Dean DeHaan. You're just making sounds at me now. The guy from Valerian. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I fucking love. Um, I liked it. <laughs> and everybody hates, but I think Valerian is uh, one of the best sci-fi films of the 21st century. I can't um, <laughs> say I'm a massive fan of that actor, but I love the film. I love Dane DeHaan as well. I think he's good in that. 
And I think the whole film's good. And yeah, fuck the haters. Anyway, um, anything anything left to say about Frankenstein? I think it's great. It's a, I, I would say as well, if you are going to sit down and watch a Universal monster film, I'd recommend Frankenstein. Yes, it's the it's the solid one. Uh, you've got your angry mob with fiery sticks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's got darkness though. Mm-hmm. There's a dark moment. He goes, he sits with a child, um, with a little girl. This is replicated in a film we'll talk about later on. Um, but uh, there's, there is a moment where you think, oh, no, hang on, this is a horror movie. Because yeah. he, f- he drowns a girl. I mean, it's very uh, Of Mice and Men. It's, you know, it's very yeah. that beat of the film. Yes. Um, it, yes. You know, it's, it's, it's tragic. But it's a sad moment. And, and the moment when the villager, the dad, is just dragging the body of his daughter. It's it, it. It's. I think when you're watching these films, it's easy to sort of forget and just think they're a bit silly and stuff. But then, mm. but then there are dark moments that go. Oh, hang on, this is a horror film. There is genuine horror. In there are people it, yeah. in the cinema watching this, genuinely fucking frightened when these films came out. You know what I mean? Um, they really did the job that stuff like Midsummer, Hereditary, stuff like whatever. Um, is scaring us now. Yeah. This stuff was the start of it. It's just, it's incredible. Uh, yeah. Um, do you want to leap straight into the sequel, Bride of? Is that the next, would that be the next movie chronologically? Well, no, no, it wouldn't at all, actually. Um, because just before it, you've got two juggernauts in 32 and 33. Oh, okay. Um, we've got The Mummy. So, uh, again, Boris Karloff. Ah, now, this one, I think, out of all the ones that we've watched, I think this one might be my favourite. It's I, interesting. I really, really like The Mummy. We've got Boris Karloff back as the lead. Uh, you know, really, really great to see him in another role. And I think he smashes this one even harder, you but know. But he does... It's interesting, this one, because you you think of The Mummy, you think of a sort of um, crumbling zombie and wrapped in all these... Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he is that for the beginning, but then um, for the... For the most part of the film, it's sort of Boris Karloff's Dracula, in a way. Egyptian Dracula. He's very much an Egyptian Dracula, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that doesn't... That's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. He's very good in it. I think it's... I really like it. You know, like... um, you know, he's he's a villain who sort of like puts these spells on on women to do sort of like his bidding, and you know, like I feel like there's like this is a story that could totally work now <laughs> in in Weinstein's Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've tried to remake it. They tried to bring back the Universal films yeah. in a huge, big Hollywood way, and this was the first project they made. It Tom Cruise got the Mummy, and uh, Russell Crowe was going to be Jekyll and Hyde, which they never really properly made a Universal film. I but I do think I um, think Russell Crowe features in he the is Mummy in, as yes, yes, yes. that character. Um, so they made the mistake of putting Tom Cruise uh, in it, which I never have a problem with because no, I like Tom Cruise. <laughs> I love the uh, the Mission Impossible movies. Um, you know, he, 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 there's a place for him. But uh, I think he tried to turn the Mummy into another Mission Impossible film for some reason, or just it just like just concentrated on the stunts, and it just looked a bit weird. Um, and they they dished the project, and now Bloomhouse, the incredible horror company, are taking on the Universal um, films, which is excellent news. We're big fans of Blumhouse. Yeah. Um, they're they're fantastic producers. They make good films. Um, 
so yeah, no, I, I'm a huge fan of Mummy. I think it's great. One thing that I can't unsee now, uh, if you do want to sit down and watch The Mummy, uh, um, is how shockingly similar Boris Karloff in this film looks like Phil from Modern Family. <laughs> yeah. It, like, if the film wasn't fantastic, it would have ruined it for me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. but I, I really enjoyed this one. It's a standout for me. I think it's it's my favourite of the films that we watched. We'll come to my favourite in a bit. We're, we're getting there. But um, but I, I, I was really surprised at um, how much I enjoyed this film. I wasn't sure about the with the mummy. It's, you never really... Um, it's a weird one in the monsters. But uh, but then I, I, I worked in a museum for a long, long time. I was mm-hmm. always surrounded by... So surrounded by mummies, that sounds like a horror movie. <laughs> um, we had an ancient Egyptian section in my in my museum. I was very, you know, I, I got very into it a bit. And uh, so just seeing something like this, uh, seeing Hollywood's perspective, because this came out like with the inspiration of the, the unearthing of Tutankhamun's yeah, tomb. Yeah, like it's not, it's not like quite a part of folklore in the same way like Dracula. Yeah, and, Dracula, it's a book. Frankenstein. Frankenstein, it's a book. Um, they're taking it directly from that, and it's their versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a sort of made-up story, but inspired by Tutankhamun's tomb and all that. And it's just, it is great. It's fantastic. I really want to watch it again. It's great. Uh, what What was next? Is it The Invisible Man? It certainly was. Um, so, yeah, so you got that 32. Next year, 33, you've got The Invisible Man, Claude Rains as The Invisible Man. He's in it, but you never see him. <laughs> because he's the invisible man <laughs> what do you think i really really like this film it so it took me by surprise because every incarnation of the invisible man i've sat down and watched has been you know like uh you know invisible man has got his troubles but at the end of the day <laughs> he's he's a good man he's a nice man he's got his troubles he's invisible like, uh, like I'm a big fan of the the John Carpenter Invisible Man with Chevy Chase, yeah. which is sort of like a, like a spy film. Yeah, it's like a comedy thriller. It's fantastic. Obviously, he has a bad time being invisible. Totally. But, um, but it's a bit of a romp. But in this Invisible Man, uh, the Invisible Man is an absolute <laughs> bastard who just goes around like murdering yeah, people yeah, yeah. in increasingly awful ways. Uh, one of the, the things that I really enjoy about this film is towards the end, he starts telling people how he's going to murder them. Uh, like, he's gonna, he, he like goes up to people and is like, ah, I'm going to push you down this cliff, see? And then you're going <laughs> to set on fire, see? Uh, and then he fucking does it. Yeah, like, he's a madman. Um but yeah, talking about memoirs then, and um, there's another film called uh, The Invisible Kid, which was a film that I had been searching, like, in my early years, I was searching, like, before before you could get films that readily and the internet and stuff, I was always searching for this movie called The Invisible Kid, mm-hmm. um, about a kid in high school that becomes invisible, and yeah, that's a bit of a romp, uh, and one time I, I was at this car boot sale and I found it on VHS. Uh, and I watched it. I was like, oh, God, I've been searching for this film for ages. Uh, it was fucking shit. Um, but, <laughs> uh, but it was still, I was glad I found it. And, and yeah, as you say, um, there's that nicer element um, of being invisible. But um, this is a full-on horror movie and because he is a psychopath. And they're doing a reboot of it. They're doing a remake with Bloomhouse. It's the first one of the Bloomhouse uh, reboot and I just want them to do it the same I want them to do a proper yeah. remake of this because a lot of it's set in a pub a lot of it's set in this little village where he just terrorizes the place and I just think if they just made it how it is but set it now it would just it would just fly it would work 
I think it's a really brave film, obviously, like, because it, it doesn't really necessarily have a protagonist. Like, the protagonist is the villain. Yeah, yeah. And that's and why it's great. We rarely see that in uh, films and movies. And uh, I, yeah, it'd be amazing to see that again. They remade it in a way uh, with Hollow Man, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Similar. It's an angry, grimy slasher film, mm-hmm. that film. But it's not quite the full remake that we want. And I think they could, if they just remade it how it is, it would just be great now. Totally. Uh, Also, um, one of the big triumphs of this film is the use of effects. And, uh, you know, this studio is really coming into its own. And there are some genuinely very impressive effects. This is the moment when they start going, okay, well, we can properly start making effects here. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you're completely right. Just... When he comes in, when he starts, un- like the iconic moment when he's unraveling the bandages. Yeah. And there's no to, head there. To reveal nothing. It, yeah. I mean, it's very impressive. Yeah, and it's um, it's a funny thing when you look at the monsters and you think, oh, well, the vampire, he's got the fangs, he drinks blood, or the, the creature and Frankenstein, they're just really strong and like monsters. Uh, same as the Wolfman. Um, what does the Invisible Man do? But he's a fucking killer. He's yeah. a psycho. He's he's as deadly as all those fuckers. <laughs> like he he goes insane. And a part of the medicaid part of the uh, the chemical shit that that, mm-hmm. that makes him invisible uh, makes him insane and makes him. I think it makes him super strong. I don't know, but it makes him insane. Yeah, yeah. And uh, an, an incredible voice performance because obviously uh, this performer is mostly just uh, just voicing the Invisible Man. And uh, it's incredible. It's iconic. Like, I hadn't seen this film before, but I recognise the voice. I recognise people parodying the voice. At this time, I suppose you've got to understand that um, radio is the massive thing and radio plays, mm-hmm. War of the Worlds, all that shit, and then, and then putting your voice into stuff with a little microphone, like we've got here. We've got a little shield with a microphone, <laughs> but like mm-hmm. uh, in the radio booth. So that's what it kind of was. It was like a radio play within yeah. um, a big Hollywood movie. It's, it's just it's just amazing, this film. It's great. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Okay, and so as you say about uh, special effects, we go into The Bride of Frankenstein, which is a real favourite for horror fans. It showed a shift in horror cinema where Mm -hmm. it it was more eccentric and a bit weirder. And uh, they played with effects and they played with characters. Now, we have this gay director, James Whale. Um, He introduces this weird character who's not even a part of... Well, I mean, that's the thing. We're talking of Frankenstein is a story, Mary Shelley. Yeah. How do you make a sequel to that? Like, they've got to make a sequel to Frankenstein. So what they do, they start it with Mary Shelley. Yeah. That's just a way of um, breaking in the story. They've got Mm -hmm. Mary Shelley sort of uh, saying a sort of fake sequel that never happened. A bit like the pitches that we do on Movie Bong episodes. Because we do do weird pitches where we we take characters that have already existed and we, or actors or whatever, and we take them places. You are right. We are a lot like Mary Shelley. I'm a lot like James Whale. <laughs> I'm directing this. You're gay? <laughs> yeah, well, we'll see. Um, but, um, well, if any villain could turn me gay, it's Dr. Pretorius. Um, and I just think uh, Dr. Pretorius is a great character. They bring him in. He's like a rival to sort of um, Frankenstein. And he brings in the little people. And there's, there's all these weird, there's all this shrinking weird shit in this film. There's all these weird little people. The, the opening of this movie, I definitely got the feeling 
building that they were showing off a few effects, showing off a few things that they could yeah. do now as not? the studio was growing. Totally, why not? Yeah. And one of those things are like these tiny people in these little jars. Yeah, it's like Avatar. It's like watching <laughs> Avatar. Um, I little found, people. I, I found out that uh, one, one of the people in the little jars, the, the mermaid lady, she was like an Olympic swimmer. Uh, right. Like, right. Uh, so she was sort of like a celebrity of her day, yeah. and they sort of shrunk her down to miniature, and it was sort of yeah. like a. Yeah. Uh, but it, but it's not just that scene. As it goes into the the next scene, there's like there's like a big long sort of like landscape shot uh, where like these people up on the hills and they go sort of like through the trees, and it's a genuinely impressive panning shot. But I think it's a really um, it's a big leap in subtly in gay cinema because. Um, the the actor who played Pretorius was gay. James Wales was gay. They were great friends. Mm-hmm. He put them in this film. Um, and I don't know if he's the first, like, sort of... It's hard to say openly gay character. Cause it's not really openly, but he, he's one of the first proper gay villains. I don't know. He just... He, I, I just love Dr. Pretorius. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a great character that sort of, I assume, James Whale or whoever um, came up with it. And... Um, and they were fully out, but they weren't really out in the industry at that point. Yeah. Um, but he was bringing gay people into the hot, into the industry at that point. He was bring, bringing gay people and gay performers into the movies. Um, and I just think this film is is great for that. And it's just it's a, it's a great little oddity. This film. And it's obviously got the iconic look of. Bride of Frankenstein. I don't think yeah. there's anything gayer yeah. than uh, and her little streak. <laughs> the Bride and of Frankenstein's hair. <laughs> she's not in that much of the film. She sort of comes in towards yeah. the end, and but it's all the build up to her um, because it's got a strange story about a weird gay doctor and his tiny people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what the film is. It's a strange film about a gay doctor and his tiny people. Um, but then at the end, at the end, there's a zombie bride. Yeah, it's a great film. Though. No, no, it, it's really interesting. You know, it's it's a film that, like, could you imagine of watching this back in the day and not knowing where it where it was going? You know, yeah. like not ha- having not seen the Bride of Frankenstein before, and then yeah. finally seeing that reveal. Like, it would have been huge. Imagine a remake of this, a full gay remake. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, they've definitely done that on Broadway. Okay, so after Bride of Frankenstein, you've got um, several sequels, things like Dracula's Daughter, <laughs> things like. Now, would I be correct in saying the Bride of Frankenstein was the first sequel that they did? Yes, yes, yes. You'd be absolutely correct. Um, yes. Because so they got... were a big thing. They weren't really yeah, a done yeah, thing yeah, back yeah, then. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, and they were, in the case of like Frankenstein and Dracula, they're building new fiction on the base of proper legendary stuff, like proper literature. Totally. And like here, here at Movie Bong, like obviously we're interested in, yeah, we're in doing franchises it. and, you know, like uh, picking up old ideas and uh, giving them new life. And like this is like the first time that we're seeing a studio really franchise stuff, like create sequels, create legacies. Like it, it's exciting stuff. It really is. Um, so yeah, so you got the sequels like Dracula's Daughter, Son of Frankenstein. You got the whole family, uh, <laughs> the Mummy's Hand. I don't know what that's about. Do they have well, like Frankenstein's stepson? Like, do they go that well, far? I don't do know. Have... Yeah, yeah. Frankenstein's cousin, twice removed, Doctor, <laughs> dog. Um, the Invisible Man returns. The Invisible Woman. Ooh, hey, yeah, yeah. Feminist. Um, and but like bringing us round to 1941 to the Wolfman, ooh, uh, which we watched. 
uh, starring Long Cheney Jr., who was the son of another actor who had been in the earlier movies. Um, and so, yeah, the, the Wolfman. What do you think? I really like the Wolfman. Uh, Boris Karloff was originally going to be playing the Wolfman, uh, but I believe he fell out with John Whale. They had like a sort of like personal James differences. Whale. Sorry, James Sorry, Whale. Uh, and obviously, and they didn't go with him. Uh, but like, I don't think the film suffers necessarily as a result. I would personally would have loved to have seen Karloff's Wolfman. Uh, but this is a strong film. Um, if I'm not mistaken, there seemed to be some allegory for how the Jews were treated during the war. The Obviously, star. yeah, that the 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 pentagram they keep using. Uh, this is a movie that obviously came out in 1941. Yeah, so it's a gypsy quite, theme. Quite fresh in people's minds. Yes, um, there's a whole gypsy thing. Bela Lugosi is in this as a gypsy. He he begins the film. Um, he is the original Wolfman. Well, apparently, uh, Bella Lugosi also campaigned to be the Wolfman in this. Right. Uh, but settled for... The uh, gypsy role. Yeah, the gypsy role. <laughs> um, uh, but yes... Yeah, so and, and he looks very different in this film. How different does Bella Lugosi look in this film compared yeah. to the iconic Dracula? Yeah. I mean, you say he looks a lot fatter in this, but he's still quite... F- Fat in Dracula. Yeah, to be I fair. mean, m- the main thing. I mean, he looks a different race. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but you could do that in black and white. Um, but, uh, or if you're Scarlett Johansson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've always said she's very similar to Battle of Um But <laughs> um, yeah, so this is a good film, though, Wolfman. Yeah, it's. I. I. I don't think it's the strongest one that we watched. No, um, no definitely not. But you know, it's. Uh, it's nice to see them treading into like another creature trying another an av- another avenue strange thing about this film lon cheney the actor i know in that back in that day people in the 20s 30s they, they looked it was hard to say how old they were but in this film the son and the dad look older than each other <laughs> yeah like it is mad he, he's like an american and he's like meant to have been in america for a while and he goes back to like britain or, or i mean it's hard to say what a lot of these films are set sometimes i mean like they're either britain or america it's an american company but you've got british directors like james whale it's hard to... And then yeah. there's just like random European people everywhere. But anyway, he goes <laughs> back to get his heritage and his dad is about five years younger than him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, maybe it's not. Maybe it's the Blu-ray Christmas or maybe just Long Chaney. I think it's Long, the Long Chaney, their faces. He looked a lot older than he yeah, was, I think. I, I think... But there's no way that he he, was, he is a young man. Like he is a. He's a young man in it. That's the film. He's a young fucking man. <laughs> he's a forty. He's got to be like forty or something. But he does have something about him. You said the Benicio del Toro connection. Yeah, because right? obviously totally. he played him in The Wolfman, the remake. Yeah, which I actually really enjoyed. It's got Anthony Hopkins in. I've it got was it panned. on DVD. It was, it was a massive flop. Yeah, but like if you sat down on a Sunday and you just want to watch. A it's passable a, wolf yeah. movie, it's wolf a full, man movie. It's, it's, a, it's great. Yeah, you're sitting down. It's a full moon. It's Sunday. You know, like uh, like I really enjoy um, Brotherhood of the Wolf as well, Ooh, the, the French like. movie with uh, Vincent Cassel. Hey, don't get me started on Wolfman movies, mate. Wolf, wolf, wolf movies. American Wolf in London. Silver Bullet. Stephen King. Company of the Wolf. We oh, watched. Oh, oh, a weird Red Riding Hood. <laughs> fucking crazy bizarre fantasy movie for adults well i suppose with that in mind you know like this isn't the best wolf man movie or no. even most iconic like you know but there are a lot of other better uses of wolves there's other uni- there's other universal there's other 
old school horror films around this time. Uh, Werewolf in London. Um, there was one with Oliver Reed. He turned into a fucking white Jack Russell. But I was always really scared of it, even though he turned <laughs> into wolf? a fucking jog. Yeah, I think it was. Wolf. I mean, you could put that in the werewolf canon. Um, that old ITV program in the 90s. Wolf. Um, you know, uh, American Werewolf in London. I used to love that. Wolf. Yeah, yeah. But it's got a sinister... Yeah, it's a, it's a werewolf thing. You know what I mean? Um... But yeah, yeah. I, I love Wolfman. I think there should be more. Ginger Snaps is a fantastic yes. Wolf, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. werewolf film. So, but I did enjoy it. I like the, the the bit with the big fucking cane with the big wolf silver on it, and the way he was sort of slowly going mad, and it was great. One thing I really liked, uh, I, I kind of got the feeling that the uh, you know when he goes to the fortune teller and she tells him that he's like a Wolfman, uh, and there's like the tent, like the big top tent. Yes. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's where, you know, the episode of The Simpsons where they go into the future, like because Lisa goes to the fortune teller and she tells her what the future's going to be like. Yes. You know, that whole scene. Yes. Like it's it's definitely that same tent. I love watching these films for for, for noticing things like that, for finding... Yeah, that have th- been influenced. Yeah, they're, they're references. They're yeah. like the original references that so much other things come from. Yeah. And interesting with the Wolfman because the others are so sort of chemical, they're experiments or whatever, or Dracula not so, but um, but then the Wolfman is a proper curse. It's a curse movie. It's a curse as a Wolfman. Yeah. Um, uh, so Creature is the next one. Would, would, would I be correct? Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's, there's quite a little while um, from there. There's loads of different films, like The Invisible Agent. That sounds good. Um, there was... Uh, there was the, 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 the Phantom of the Opera, which was talking about, which was sort of a weird technical experiment. Um, lots of things, Mummy's Ghost, Mummy's Curse, all these things, you know, House of Dracula, uh, Caravan of Dracula, Shed of Dracula, <laughs> <laughs> Portaloo of Dracula. Um, but then um, just before uh, we go into the 50s, um, you had uh, the comedy horror Abbott Costello movies. Um, okay. And so Bella Lugosi played Dracula um, and Lon Chaney played Wolfman. They both appear as Wolfman and Dracula wow. in Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, which is a fantastic comedy horror. It's like the birth of the comedy horror. And I believe these actually uh, performed quite well. They did much better than even the studios thought they were going to do. They were fantastic. Um, the brilliant comedies, they still hold that one particularly. The, he did, uh, they they also did Meets the Mummy and Meets Invisible Man. I don't think they had the same, the original people in, but uh, Meets Frankenstein had Lugosi and Chaney, and it was a fantastic movie. It's a great comedy. And Abbott and Costello are obviously the people that did, you know, like, uh, who's on first? Uh, you know, like, like they're, they're, they're basically um, very similar to, like... Stan and Ollie. Yeah, yeah, Stan yeah, and Ollie. Laurel and Hardy. Laurel yeah, and Hardy. Yeah, it was, yeah. They, they, they were fantastic. that era, uh, but like, you know, uh, hugely famous in, in America and, you know, like uh, particularly in like early vaudevillian um, comedy. Yes. And I, I really would stress people to go back and watch. Um, I mean, they did Frankenstein, Mummy and Invisible Man, but uh, I, I just go straight to meet Frankenstein is the one. Uh, Lugosi and Cheney, Wolfman, Dracula, uh, but it's properly played for laughs. It's a fantastic film, and I would recommend really revisiting it. It's great. It's the birth of the comedy horror. Um, but yeah, so go past them, then we go into the 50s. Um, and then we have my favourite, I think. I love Invisible Man. I mm-hmm. think um, that's near my favourite 
but out of all the creatures out of the whole monster universe uh creature from the black lagoon is my favorite i love it it's incredible um it just it's it, it, it's the birth of that kind of um proper monster film there's there's, there's hints of alien there there's hints of predator um it's just it, it's a proper creature feature well i think it's like it's a creature from like another place a place that has been untouched uh you know and and it, it sort of touch on touches on environmental themes yes which you know so many horror films are about yeah he's the missing link he's um he's it's meant to be this creature like the earth that part of the amazon that part of the earth is his and we're going into it the humans are going into it and it's such like i think he's got more of a sympathetic sort of viewpoint there rather than the invisible man or dracula Frank, whatever there's just something about as you say nature um it's just incredible i think as well if you were going to remake any of these i think this is the one that you do first i mean you know with, with the plight of uh, the rainforest etc i feel like this is exactly a story that i want to see being told right now yeah um, i can see why they're doing invisible man yeah um because it, that could be done solidly and easily mm-hmm uh, well, this would take a bit more ambition, a bit more scope, yep. um, and a bit more effects. Um, but you could do a fantastic creature film. Totally, totally. And I think you're really right uh, when you say this is a movie where movies like Alien come from, where Predator in particular comes yeah. from. Yeah. I mean, uh, striking similarities to, yeah. to Predator in particular. Um, I love this film so much. I think watching it on Blu-ray is so crisp, and it just... Um, I forget the lead actress's name. Uh, she died fairly recently. I think it was earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Um, she's fantastic in it. The whole uh, cast, just sort of, they're square-jawed and they're just like the men and sailors. But the, 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 everyone's just really good in it. And um, the creature, I still think the costume is fantastic. The way yeah. it looks is fantastic. Um, they made, uh, they did two different actors for the role. Uh, you had the guy on land, um, and then you had a proper experienced diver um, in the water. Um, and I think he was in all the, of the two sequels um, that were made. The third one looks mad. It's like a human hybrid film. He's got like a fucking fish head and a human body. Looks fucking mental. <laughs> but, um, but I think he was um, the actor for the, all the underwater scenes throughout it because they kept because he was so good. And um, the underwater features in this film are just I still think they look fantastic. Yeah, they it's, they really do. Like it's lighting ahead of its time. wise, like it, it's ahead of its time. No, it's like early Blue Planet shit, like in black and white. Yeah, um, it's like. Uh, you can really see the development in filming on cameras underwater at that point. Um, and, you know, and how they made films. And it's just, it still amazes me the way it looks. I love yeah. it. No, it's it's impressive. And it's, it's just such a great film. I think you should really, if you like monster movies, you if you enjoy modern horror movies, you just need to go back and watch The Creature from the Black Lagoon now. Uh, so yeah, those are the Universal movies that we, we we've watched. watched. They've uh, they really are amazing. That they're, they're where so much of what we know about films came from, and it's it's re- it's been really interesting to sit down and watch them. Uh, but we're not quite finished yet because there is one final movie that we watched today in preparation for this episode. A movie that sort of brings all of these movies together. 
Yes. Um, it should have got a lot more attention when it was released in 1987. Um, it was, I think it's up there with Goonies. Um, there's a film called uh, Explorers of River Phoenix um, where all the kids go into and Ethan Hawke and the kids go into space and there's aliens or it's, you'll, if you've seen it you'll know it's it's good until the last 20 minutes which is a bit wacky um, but uh, Goonies was great and this is this is that sort of kids adventure but it, I think it was a bit because it was horror I think they had to make it a 15 I don't know whether it found its audience when it originally came out um, like now with Stranger Things and everything it just seems like such it's it's an obvious yeah. thing to reboot right now. Yeah, like it's just exactly what stuff like Stranger Things came from. You know, not just Goonies. If you think that, just watch this film. It's written by Shane Black, uh, who yeah. wrote Lethal Weapon and the recent Predator movie, directed it. Um, and was in the original Predator. Yes. Uh, and it's just, it's so well written, this film. It's so um, bang, bang, bang. It's just like precise it's just um it gets all the universal monsters together so basically it's about these kids in a clubhouse they've got like uh it's made in the 80s it's the the 80s kids in a clubhouse um and they're obsessed with monsters they believe in monsters yeah. and adults keep telling them that monsters aren't real yeah um his mum who who is in a lot of shane black movies she plays psychiatrist leave weapon uh she fights they, they they come across this uh, val helsing's diary and uh they realize there's an amulet nearby and then basically uh all the old monsters are coming back um led by dracula yeah led by uh, the daddy, Dracula. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know the actor who plays Master. There's a complete no name in this, but he's great. He, he looks a lot like Vigo Mortensen. And I did read that uh, Liam Neeson was actually wow. going to play him and was actually paid for uh, a scene of the movie that they didn't even shoot in the end. <laughs> Classic Neeson. Make sure he got paid. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, he's really good, the guy that plays Dracula in this. Um, as are all the actors who plays uh, the creatures. Um, so you've got Dracula, you've got... Um, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. They, they, they get him from a crate, and mm-hmm. he's played by... if I'm, I might be mistaken the name. I think it's Tom Hooper. He plays the villain in um, House of the Dead, a great 80s um, horror film, and Last Action Hero starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and he's in loads of films. Is he in Predator? Uh, is he in Robocop too? Anyway, um, but yeah, so he plays Frankenstein. You've got Chris Little Black Lagoon, who's mm-hmm. sort of listed as Gill Man in this, but he he's essentially he's a big fish man. He's Chris Little Black Lagoon. You've got a mummy, and uh, yeah, that's it. You've got some vampire wenches as well. It's quite interesting because I mean I think this is a good film. I think it's well directed. I think it's well made. But it's worth noting the the director didn't make much else other than this. He only really did like this and Robocop three. And yeah. uh, oh, really? like one or two other mo- movies, and that's it. Um, but like nothing of note. And uh, but I think this is a really, really like this is a bold step. I think this is a, this is a good film. Yeah. I think this is directed well. It's executed well. The main thing that I think really works in its favour is just how tight, particularly the opening is. I mean, like anyone who sat down to read this screenplay, you immediately get what it is. And it, yeah. and it, it delivers. It's it's great. I don't know why it wasn't such a massive, huge screaming success. Because <laughs> I love it. It's, it's made for the cinema. It's a popcorn movie. Um, 
it's just oh, oh, so bit, like Wolf Wolfman's got nards and he kicks him in the nards. It's just um, yeah, nards. That means bollocks. I think balls. If if you missed that, like the name of this movie is the Monster Squad. Monster Squad. And I, I'd really really recommend uh, checking it out. It's uh, it's a fantastic horror comedy. Oh. Um, you know, and there's some genuinely good effects. Yeah, I, I was saying how like unlike most uh, kids horror comedies uh, that were out around this time things like Hocus Pocus and whatever yeah. I mean there are there is there are genuine scares in this I mean and it or or rather it's it has an overall tone of scariness yeah um, when other movies would normally go straight yeah. for comedy yeah this is um, you know it's yeah. spooky in places yeah. and we're bringing it in because it does follow. Uh, the universal rules of the monsters, and they mm-hmm. are—they are the universal monsters. They are the Dracula. They are the creature. They are the Frankenstein. You know, it is bringing yeah. that back. Um, and I think, I think they could have—they—I they, think they brought it back really well, and they, they could have kept bringing it back. I'm surprised there aren't sequels to this. I'm surprised there isn't uh, a sequel to it where the Monster Squad have to uh, fight the Invisible Man. Yes, uh, you they know. could have brought more characters into Invisible Man, Phantom of the Opera, Bride. Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Bride. Um, you could have thought other, you know, there's loads of other kind of creatures. Uh, the Gollum, Yeti, Bigfoot. And, it, you know, there's so much scope. Well, with that in mind, uh, we should probably get to the, the pitches side of the show because uh, we've spoke about all of these great films. Uh, but let's go and fuck them up uh, with our own terrible ideas. Yes! Okay, it's the pitch side of the show. Uh, what we do here at Movie Bong is we don't just review movies. Uh, we also pitch uh, ridiculous ideas for movies that we believe should exist, but definitely don't exist. No. Uh, it's, it's Mike's turn to go first this week. Uh, Mike, what is your pitch? It's an interesting one. Universal. Um, you could do reboots, which are being done by Blumhouse or whatever, as we talked about. Yeah. Uh, Invisible Man, I believe, is the first one, which is um, directed by the guy who did Upgrade, which is a great film. Mm-hmm. So, which, you know, like, we're looking forward to that. Yeah. It's starring one of the guys from House... What's that? The series? Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I really, really enjoyed. I wasn't as fussed on, but I'd like to... I should finish it. Anyway. Um... <laughs> So, but do I do I do a film where it's like, do I pitch a film from the 30s? Do I pretend to be a cigar-chomping executive in the 30s and mm-hmm. doing another Dracula or whatever? Son of Dracula, cousin of Dracula, doctor's, Dracula's doctor, Dracula's GP, Dracula's milkman. <laughs> Dracula's you know, flatmate. <laughs> yeah. um, there is actually, I was going to say Dracula's dog, but there is Hound of Dracula in a movie. <laughs> um, but, uh, so... Yeah, so it's a weird one. So you don't really know what to do. Um, instinctively, after we talked about um, Bride of Frankenstein, mm-hmm. personally, I'd really like them to do stuff with the character of Dr. Pretorius, who was the mad, clearly gay character in Bride of Frankenstein who yep. shrank all the people. Um, now, why hasn't he been brought back and rebooted and revamped in like a horror franchise are you pitching the borrowers like a scary borrower yes like a scary i honey honey i shrunk the kids um (laughs) like but dr pretorius this big weird gay old man (laughs) like you know 
fucking shrinks everything. Um, I think there's a lot of scope there, and that he was a horror character that I don't think they really utilized. And I think it's uh, it's also worth saying I, I quite like seeing LGBT characters represented as uh, villains from now from every now and then. Like it's you know sometimes we sort of like. Uh, Queer characters are always typecast as like the the goodies these days, uh, but it's 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 good when LGBT actors get to play a range of characters, and uh, yes. you know we rarely get to see an openly gay baddie. Yeah. And um, I think you could bring Doctor Pretorius back as a proper gay icon mm-hmm. and a proper great horror villain. Um, who would you get to play it? Uh, you know who jumped into my mind because I think he's done amazing work in uh, the series of unfortunate events. But uh, Neil Patrick Harris, yeah, that uh, is a good shout. I was going to say I'd love to see him as like a more of a serious villain. Like that's he's, a great shout, great shout as a more serious and be, being serious, not being funny because he relies on being funny so much because he's good at it. But he's he's such a physical performer. And yeah. I think people forget that, and I think he could be terrifying if you wanted. You're to. spot on, and that is a fantastic shout for Doctor Pretorius, and he could have a whole horror movie career there. <laughs> uh, I thought you were going to say Alan Cumming. Um, and now another great choice. Yeah. Who could do it as well. Who I who is currently sort of like wasted in American TV. I mean, yeah. he's fantastic in The Good Wife, which I'd highly recommend uh, if someone wants a box set to just sort of like waste six months of your life on. Do you remember... Watch The Good Wife. Do you remember the old gay <laughs> Scottish sitcom he was in? High Life, was it? No. I thought you'd be all over that. No, that but it sounds he, great. That was when he got properly discovered. He was in um, this BBC uh, sitcom about um, gay uh, host uh, uh, stewards. Um, on a plane, it was brilliant. The high life, you would love it. Um, <laughs> anyways, he'd be a great dust Um, so yeah, I think you could do a, a whole load of films with that character. It's great. Um, but I also thought about um, obviously we've got character mashups. Uh, you've got the characters connecting. Obviously, we had Monster Squad. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Abbott Costello even in the forties in the Universal realm. Um, they had uh, Dracula and Wolfman mixing up Frankenstein. Um, so character mashups, but I'm talking like proper character mashups. Okay. So why did they never make the Invisible Dracula? Yes, brilliant. Like Dracula gets uh, Claude Rains' character, the Invisible Man, kidnaps him, makes him turn him invisible. Then uh, Van Helsing, like, then works with the Invisible Man, frees him, so he then he turns him invisible, and then Van Helsing and Dracula are both invisible, and then there's a whole fight scene that's happening at the end that you can't actually see. <laughs> <laughs> Think about it! Um, and then the Invisible Man runs off. I don't know, you know, it'd be great. Um, Frankenstein uh, brings back the creature from the back goon uh, as, a, like, a yeah. zombie. Uh, or, or, like, Frankenstein. <laughs> Frank and Wolf. Yes, Frank at Wolfenstein or um, the Wolfman of the Opera um, who's <laughs> hanging out. <laughs> There's a Wolfman hanging out in the rooms of the Opera House. Um, or, you know, a Wolfman is a mad scientist, a creature from the Black Lagoon is a mad scientist. Or maybe sort of like a, an LGBT uh, one, so so a Bride of Bride of Frankenstein. Yes, yes, Husband of Frankenstein. Um <laughs> Civil partnership. <laughs> Civil partner of Frankenstein. <laughs> um, I just think you really mash up the characters and smash them together. Um, Wolfman of the Black Lagoon. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Um, Phantom of the Black Lagoon. I mean, Dracula, 
in the Amazon, in a lagoon, on holiday. Bride of the creature of the Black Lagoon, because he's got to get oh! lonely out there. He's, yeah, he's got to get laid at some point. Well, he wants to get that <laughs> uh, that lady, but then he's he's and he's he's just like swimming next to her in the creature from the Black Lagoon. And yeah, he's, he's like, trying so to touch her ankles. He just strokes her like feet. He's <laughs> just he's a bit creepy. The creature. Like, I mean, like he's great. Yeah, I love he it. is a bit creepy, but he's sad. <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know the world. It, that's the they they're invading his world. He's he's a creature of the Black Lagoon. He's the missing link and i think he's the most sympathetic character he just i love him i think i'm gonna get a tattoo of him but yeah sorry um but yeah just imagine a mashup of loads of characters like that yeah. and then original actors and um i just think you could really mix it together i don't know if you could think of any more mad mix-ups I, I just feel like i mean universal monsters in general like it has a similar campy tone to it, it feels very familiar to me because I find it quite similar to the tone of Scooby-Doo. Yes, because well, that's what has come from. The, the, all the influences are banging there in Scooby-Doo. And, they... and Scooby-Doo obviously was like known for doing crossovers and mashups. And I believe a lot of these monsters are like do appear in... Dracula's in it, yeah. In Scooby-Doo. And so Batman like, and Robin. <laughs> Lots of people. You know, like it... it it excites me this conversation because it's sort of like it, it reminds me of a time when you know the Jetsons popped up in the Flintstones. And oh yeah, baby! I'm all over that shit. Magnum, uh, PI, and uh, Murder She Wrote. It's such a good crossover. Watch it. Angela Lansbury goes to visit Magnum. They they solve a case together. It is fucking great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so you could, but just I think uh, the Invisible Dracula is a great place to start. It's just think about it. I agree. Just, uh, uh, where the fuck? I've been bitten on my neck. Who the... <laughs> what the... And then do they turn into invisible Draculas? Like, do they turn into yeah, vampires? Maybe. Like maybe. invisible vampires? Yeah, but there's a reverse side effect that when he's invisible, when there's a mirror, you can see him. Or And, and, the, and, the, and wow. they can all see him as well. Yeah. Like the, the, the other invisible vampires can probably right. see yeah. the other yeah. invisible vampires. But the mirror, the mirror thing turned, turned flipped over. Think it's a good it. idea. I'm full of it. I mean, I'm full of them. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Mashups and uh, Pretorius in gay cinema horror epic. No, I really like those. I think those are solid ideas. Thanks. Okay, uh, my pitch now. Uh, I've got I've got two ideas uh, similar to yourself. An original, like so, uh, a Universal monster original movie. Like as if we are in the thirties, forties. Exactly like that. So it's black and white. Okay, let me get this ready. I'm black and white. I'm chopping a cigar. Mm-hmm. I'm working in the... I'm an exec mm-hmm. in Universal Studios. Universal Studios. The idea for my one is... Uh, I feel like, obviously, there have been a few of these Universal movies that were female-focused. Um, right. But what I want to do is create, like, a proper female monster villain... Uh, female-focused universal monster movie uh, that really hammers that home a little bit harder than some of the others. I mean, Bride of Frankenstein, she appears towards the end. Exactly. It's not a female-led film. I was going to say, it's more, there's there's a great big gay element in it Mm -hmm. and and there's um, some crazy eccentric stuff. It's a great film. But she doesn't, it is the build-up to her. Yeah. Uh, She doesn't really appear in it to the end, you're right. Uh, obviously, the, the, there are the brides of Dracula who, who feature quite heavily in the Dracula movie. You know, I'm not and saying Monster Squad. We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying women don't feature in these movies. They they yeah. they, they definitely do. Uh, 
when Rudy shoots all those fucking vampire wenches at the end of Monster Squad, God, it's good. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Spoilers. Well, it's not really spoilers. Is a character kills vampires in it. You know, it's Monster um, Squad. Anyway, uh, so getting back to my idea, like, so this movie would be called Lady Bathory. <laughs> oh, Lady Bathory. Well, that name's familiar. I mean, like, it's uh, she's basically a historical figure, right. a Hungarian princess, okay. who supposedly used to kill virgin women and bathe in their blood. Yes. And, you know, like, she's a very similar... Uh, folklore character to Vlad the Impaler, who is like the original inspiration for Dracula. For, Drac- for Dracula. So she's basically like a female uh, Dracula. Yeah. Uh, who actually kind of existed, but you know, whether all of these details are true is incorrect, is, well, we, we'll never know. Uh, but uh, she was a historical figure, and I think she would be a really good um, subject for a universal monster movie. My idea is that there is a, a, pro- a protagonist, a young girl, uh, maybe in like an orphan girl who is sent to this castle in Hungary uh, to be looked after by uh, Lady Bathory, who is um, the woman who resides in this big fucking gothic castle. Do we know who's playing her at this point? Or well, I mean, some of like old school actresses? Well, I mean, I'm not familiar with actresses well, from the ni- 1930s. So Where was Bessie Davis? <laughs> maybe that was later. Uh, so, like, uh, the main character, I feel like um, the movie uh, revolves around them having to pass certain sort of social tests that are put in their way. There's a lot of um, men propositioning her, uh, propositions of marriage, propositions of, of sex, of lust. Of all, These are all tests that she has to overcome to be seen as, like, a good woman. Do you understand what I mean? You know, like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like I'm ob- obviously these are bad things. These are like um, nasty societal constraints that people put on women. Yeah, but they're uh, of the time. They're of the period that you're you're presenting. Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, now it turns out like uh, obviously she she passes all of these tests and she uh, maintains her virtue. Oh yeah. Um, however, that leads to later at the movie um, her being killed by Lady Bathory and who obviously bathes in her blood. Hmm. So it, it's basically, it's a, it's a double-edged uh, test whereby if she fails the test and has sort of like sex with these men, she will be like disgraced and banished. Oh. Um, but if she doesn't, uh, she will be um, sacrificed as a virgin and like, so, you know, it's, it's basically a tale of like uh, right. women being damned if they do or damned if they don't oh, sort yeah. of like a, uh, a moral tale for for, for women. Uh, I hear you, sister. <laughs> I hear you, sister. Am I virtue signalling hard enough? This, you really, really are. This week? <laughs> Just called you Whoopi Goldberg. This is Sister Act. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. No, no, that sounds really good. <laughs> and I think it would be quite good as well. I mean, I haven't mentioned, like, uh, I haven't gone into detail of, of the character of Lady Bathory, but I okay. think that she could be you know, a real iconic, you know, like the first proper female villain creature of yeah. the Universal Monsters. Because you've got Bride as such an iconic um, image, but obviously when you do watch the film, she is only in the end. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you need more positive female representation in the Universal Monsters 
uh, universe. And I mean, this is definitely like a female uh, Dracula. Like this is a female Bela Lugosi. Like I, I yeah. do see Lady Bathory as a type of vampire. Totally. Yeah. Aggressive. Um, she is in charge. If this was made now, it would be Tilda Swinton. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> in fact, yeah. I'd love to see like a Nosferatu with Tilda Swinton in. Nosferatu. Tilda. <laughs> yeah, totally. Anyway, uh, moving on to my, my second pitch, because I've sort of got like tiny pitches. Yeah, no, it's fine. I had a few in there. They're not that detailed. But uh, my second idea, after watching uh, Monster Squad this afternoon. Yeah, which is incredible. My idea is to reboot Monster Squad. Well, they should. With Stranger Things, the success of that, why haven't they? But mine does have a little bit of a twist to it. Oh, shit. Are they all trans? (laughs) (laughs) Um, What I'm going to do is... Stab in the dark. (laughs) I'm going to reboot Monster Squad, but for modern times. So what I mean by that is there's no Dracula. There's no Frankenstein. There's no Wolfman, right? Creature? There's no creature. Mummy? There's no mummy. Okay. The four monsters in my monster squad are Jason Voorhees, okay. Michael Myers, All right. Freddy Krueger, and Pinhead. Whoa. Yeah. No, no Chucky? No Chucky, but uh, maybe he could appear in like an after credit sequence. Yeah. Bit of a wink. A teaser, mm. right? Because I want the sequel. Okay. Of course you do. Franchise. But, but, but you know, I, I feel like I want to see these guys together. Uh, the idea being... So what are we talking here? Go go over this again. You... I mean, this would be very similar to the premise uh, and general plot of the original Monster Squad, just with the monsters changed yeah, yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say the leader is going to be Freddy, or maybe Pinhead in this situation. True. Who knows? Um, there's no way this wouldn't really, really work. Um, you know, well, yeah, When I, I always thought about Chucky and Freddy um, going head-to-head because they were quite similar personality-wise. Totally, but I, I think, uh, pairing off-wise, I think Pinhead and Freddy, like, really work together as a pair. And obviously yeah. Michael and Jason Leadership quite wise, similar. Yeah. yeah, Michael and Jason quite similar. But I would say Michael and Jason are quite similar. Freddy and Chucky are quite similar. Yeah. I would say Pinhead's on his own sort of a bit of a British sort of... Oh, I'm clever than all you fuckers. But I think what um, Pinhead brings to it is, uh, you know, like there's a lot more um, opportunity for supernatural elements. There's other monsters you could have. You could have the American werewolf in London. I don't know. You could have... It's not a bad show. Uh, you, I mean, the Texas Chainsaw, the Leatherface. Um, Leatherface as a universal yeah. monster would be good. Yeah, Imagine yeah. the family. Uh, imagine the fucking family as, as as a universal monster movie. That would be weird. Um, pumpkin hair, that's strange as well. Um, it just, I mean, there's a lot of scope. And you imagine loads of, I, I like the idea of imagining loads of new movies as old black and white universal movies. Yeah, cool. like we were talking, yeah, like uh, like Predator. Yeah, imagine Predator or Alien. or Alien as a universal movie. Like, they would be great. I mean, like, With Claude Rains is the Predator. Creature <laughs> really isn't that far off. So I could totally see It'd Predator be, in particular. I as... could see Boris Karloff as the Predator. It would be Boris <laughs> Karloff, wouldn't it? Um, imagine it. Uh, the the main reason like I came up with that pitch was 
I just really want to. I feel like the finale of the film should be obviously like these kids trying to fight them all. Monster Squad's so good, but in the end, like the teamwork of the of my Monster Squad just breaks down, and they just have a big fight. And that is the finale of my film: is just watching Pinhead and Freddy Krueger and Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees just kick the shit out of each other. Well, that's the best thing about Freddy versus Jason. I mean, mm-hmm. you've got to yeah, you, totally. You, you've got a fucking troll for about 40 minutes of dross but then you've got like a half hour fucking fight scene yeah um at the end which is just solid and freddy's doing kung fu which we know he can do and um yeah it's great totally i love a good mashup like that (laughs) and there's so much scope in this for that so let's just do it well, I mean, like, we've really gone through the years on this week's episode. I mean, we've, we've gone far as far back as 1931. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, that's exciting a long time times. Ago. <laughs> exciting times. Black and white. So many, I, just, I just think people should revisit this. If you haven't seen it, if you just know the images of it, you know the image of Lugosi's Dracula, you know, the Frankenstein, the creature, just go and watch the movies again because they are brilliant. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, as someone who was reluctant to watch these, uh, I sat down and I was pleasantly surprised. It's I find it really interesting to see where so many of uh, these iconic uh, images came from. And uh, they do still hold up. Really um, do? And they're not that long. <laughs> what were your fa- My favourites are The Creature and The Invisible Man. Creature, probably the top, but Invisible Man and Creature are my favourites. I really, really enjoyed The Mummy. Like, um, obviously Invisible Man is great, and I do think Dracula and Frankenstein are are top as well, but The Mummy was definitely my favourite. Yeah. Uh, Great. Well, yeah. I'm a creature man, you're a mummy man. You're a mummy's boy. (laughs) (laughs) And you're just a creature. I'm just a fucking creature. Um, But uh, we hope you enjoyed our uh, little uh, exploration into the Universal Monster movies. We're going to go and have a bath together. Are we? That's (laughs) very hot. An ice bath. (laughs) It's so fucking hot. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Can somebody tell me what the Sam Hill is going on around here? Well, we can, sir. Who are you? We're the Monster Squad. Back. Gotta fight the fight. Yeah, the monster squad gonna get.